today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This presidential race south of the border is so different this year. Because of COVID, this is a virtual convention. The Republican convention, of course, will be next week. Uh, we assume is going to be done mostly virtually as well. But uh, yesterday they got underway with a couple of keynote speakers. The Democratic Party is claiming a big tent for their first convention of this COVID-19, wanting everybody to come in and be part of the effort to try to unseat Donald Trump. Mike Garcia reports. A call for unity themed the opening night of the Democratic National Convention. Among the speakers in the all-virtual affair was former Ohio Governor John Kasich. I'm a lifelong Republican. But that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. Senator Bernie Sanders, who ran unsuccessfully for the Democratic nomination again this year. We need Joe Biden as our next president. The final speaker of the night was former First Lady Michelle Obama. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. The convention continues nightly through Thursday. I'm Mike Gracia. Thanks for the uh, report, Mike. Uh, let's uh, bring Elliot Tepper into the conversation. Elliot, of course, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University, uh, specializing in U.S. politics. Uh, Elliot, watching uh, last night, uh, your impressions of what you saw? Well, let's start at the top. It went off flawlessly at a technical level. Uh, <laughs> one of the very impressive things about what we're seeing in front of us is that we have a virtual convention for the first time in history, and that's because of the COVID crisis. And the COVID crisis, in turn, is the backdrop of everything we're going to be hearing from the Democrats and the Republicans about the future of America. The reason we have technical glitches uh, is that we are all trying to get online, and we're, we yeah. all have to struggle with doing so, even, even this morning with us together. But the fact they pulled it off successfully is one of the things to talk about. I want to kind of into the content, too. As I was listening to, uh, well, I thought the keynote speaker, Michelle Obama, last night, uh, for somebody who says she really has no interest in getting into politics, uh, she's pretty good at it. Oh, yes. Uh, she's arguably the most popular politician in America today, uh, and she's not a politician. Uh, but uh, she sold something like 11 million copies of her book, and people are saying, hey, that's an 11 million uh, strong voter bank for the upcoming election. Now, what I thought about the uh, about the opening night was that it was a success in what it intended to do, and what it intended to do, uh, obviously, was to show that the party is united, that there are various crises facing America, and that Donald Trump is failing on all of those uh, uh, three crises, the major crises, that he is, in Michelle Obama's words, not the right president for America, and that he is in over his head. And that's probably the summation of the evening yeah uh, she didn't pull any punches when she uh, went after trump did she so you simply said yeah, he mentioned the phrase in over his head uh and a number of different things too that uh he's not the guy for america right now i mean it, and and I, of course we got a response from on twitter from trump right off the bat but uh if if you say setting the tone was going to be one of the key uh factors here this time that she not only set the tone i think she probably uh you know basically threw the first uh, pitch out here too and, and said to the republicans see what you can do with this right uh it was a it was a, a very effective way to show that the democratic party the party that is opposing donald trump is a very uh, big tent party there was a, a lot of emphasis on republicans for biden uh including of course uh, the former governor of ohio and you and i talked about this a very long time ago 
seems like ancient history now, where the Mueller report came out, one of the things that was very significant about it was that it did not open up the possibility of a challenge inside the pri- uh, Republican primary. The sitting president was not going to be primaried, and it would have been John Kasich who probably would have done it. And that was foreclosed by the way the Mueller report was handled very successfully, I think, by the Republicans. So we had a, a big tent approach. A lot of Republicans, including three Republican women leaders, saying now we're for Biden. And, of course, uh, that one by John Kasich. But also beyond that, uh, it was very interesting. They're trying to reach out to the one area where they chose not to do so in terms of the selection of a vice president. You had to make a choice. You can't, you can't as a, in one person, embody all the various uh, areas where the, where the uh, party wants to be strong. But that's with the Latino vote. And the Latino vote is critical in a number of states. And uh, Biden is weak in that area. 27% last time voted for Trump. So they had a, uh, a prominent actress, but also Democratic Party activist as the moderator throughout the evening. You saw Ava Longoria. Uh, yep. and, and also there was um, uh, some, a few other political leaders. So they're trying to reach out to that constituency. And I thought that was interesting in itself. Yeah, the, the, the demographics here are going to be key in this election uh, as to where where they're going on this. And I'm sure it was not lost on uh, the Democrats as, as they assembled virtually uh, for, for day number one of this. Uh, recent polling that was done in the states indicates that uh, Biden still has a lead, of course, over Donald Trump uh, in, in many of the the key states and also on a, on a national basis. Uh, but it's 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 not as big a lead as it was in June. Is, is that concerning? Yes, we can. There's plenty more to say about the uh, convention that we can come back to, but the polling sure. is in. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually following a lot of the different polls, and their respectable polls are differing in what they conclude, and I find that in itself interesting. One of them, uh, I think CNN itself, uh, had a had Donald Trump within just a few points uh, nationally, and of course, and, and they said in the battleground states a toss-up. That's a very important poll, but others had. Uh, very respectable polls. YouGov, I think, had uh, Donald Trump still trailing by at least nine points or ten points, so double-digit almost. So the the polling actually had been fairly steady for quite some time, with Biden holding a national lead, and with the state-by-state um, polls being kind of spotty and irregular, and we aren't we don't have enough of them. But those we do have showed that in key battle battleground states across the Midwest and even in Florida, maybe even Ohio, uh, even in places like Georgia, and even maybe in Texas, uh, the Democrats are doing very well. And the question now is, and and this is where the money is being put, how do you preserve the many different paths, several different paths, to getting to 270 electoral votes, uh, whereas the the president is still uh, relegated to a, a very narrow path, places that he barely won last time he would have to win again this time that's the state of the play in polling but you can expect the polls to narrow as the campaign goes on traditionally we have uh, labor day as the time when people start paying attention to politics bill but in this case one of the results of the polls is showing an extremely high level of of interest interest in this election well before labor day 
And another one I saw yesterday on uh, MSNBC suggested that almost half the people polled were cynical about the, the outcome of this election. They don't know if it's going to be a legitimate election. Uh, yeah. That's, of course, uh, the, the mantra that Trump has been singing from the last couple of months now, we know, the vis-a-vis mail-in ballots and the post office and all this other stuff. But uh, is that a message that's starting to resonate? Well, what that shows, uh, I think, two things that may show. First of all, that where the president chooses to lead, his people will follow. So he says it's going to be rigged, it's going to be unreliable, uh, and you'll see a, a, a big jump in the polls along that line. He is a very potent opinion leader with a very devoted following. But the second part of that is there may also be, as part of the uh, poll you just uh, cited, we don't have a breakdown, uh, but it could well have been Democrats uh, or independents who say, I can't trust the result because, you know, the Republicans are going to do so many shenanigans that it's going to be difficult for us to vote. Back to the convention, uh, that was certainly a core message of the convention, is that really what this is all about, this was national unity was uh, last night, and leadership is tonight is their theme. But this core message that came out of the, uh, last night was, this is all about decency and saving the soul of America, and to do that, you really have to get out and vote, and you have to get out uh, early and vote in massive numbers because otherwise this will be stolen from you. So that uh, 50% uh, that you just noted may be uh, catching some of the, the unease that the Democrats are facing a president determined, along with Republican governors and legislatures, to depress the vote uh, for those who might vote for uh, for the Democrats, and they have to have a, a super win in order to win. Yeah, we could talk about the margins. We'll have lots of time between now and November, I guess, to discuss that. But I guess we need to remind ourselves, too, Elliot, that, I mean, Trump was complaining about a rigged election uh, last year, or the last election four years ago, too, right up until the day he actually won the thing, and then it wasn't rigged anymore. Well, we found out, of course, from the Mueller report that yeah, it was rigged. Uh, but uh, be that as it might, there are still Republicans that don't want to buy into that. Uh, one of the uh, security chiefs on uh, CNN yesterday basically saying uh, they, they just don't want to talk about Russia. They, they mentioned China and Iran, which the security folks also talked about. But uh, as the security report itself said, China and Iran, what they're doing is, is nothing compared to what we see happening with Russia and what they're anticipating to see uh, with uh, the Russian interference in this election. It's coming. We pretty much know, as a matter of fact, some sources are saying that they've already started oh, yeah. to try to infiltrate this election. What, what, and of course, you know, the Attorney General doesn't seem to want to do anything about this. The President certainly doesn't want to do anything about this. How much of a factor is this going to be? Well, again, there's two sides to it. There's another report this morning, we're just getting it out now, that the Senate um, Intelligence Committee put out, which is led by Republicans, put out a bipartisan uh, report showing in great, much greater detail, it's a huge report, a thousand pages, uh, much more um, contact between, much more influence by the Russians, and much more assistance that the Russians gave, far more than has so far been acknowledged, although the Mueller report itself had a whole, had volume one dedicated to it. So, mm-hmm. um, so how effective they are is an open question. Uh, there's... Um, you and I have joked about this a bit, that in the last election, Donald Trump got an awful lot of help from the KGB and the FBI. Uh, the KGB may still be at it. We don't think James Comey-type inter- intervention is likely to play well. But that's the second part. We don't know about the effectiveness. 
the effort clearly I think will be uh, will be um, continuing. The effectiveness of it uh, is unknown. Uh, and the impact it's going to have. In other words, uh, yes. d- does the sa- that sort of interference have an impact if you know it's coming and you're looking for it? But uh, it's very hard, you know, where when social media plays such a major role, where Facebook can be in, basically infiltrated when and uh, part of an influence operation. When in the last time, the, the, you know, there were, there were reports that <laughs> that Russians actually had floats in local small towns, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically trying to not just support Trump, but support the idea of chaos in American democracy. And that's in their, you mentioned these other countries, that is one of the goals, not necessarily Trump, but one of the goals of China, North Korea, Iran, and Russia would be, would be, if if it's documented, to create notions that American democracy doesn't work and chaos is in their advantage. And of course, right now, Donald Trump is saying chaos is in my advent, to my advantage as well. In past conventions, uh, there's always been an impact, and usually the political party gets a bit of a bump in the public opinion polls after that. But I think it's part of it because of the presentation. You know, it's the balloons, it's the energy in the the, the arena where the thing is happening, and the keynote speech by the nominee, uh, you know, whether it was Obama or or others in the past. But people kind of get caught up in that. Can you do that, or can you create that kind of enthusiasm virtually? It depends on how much we're all online, I suppose. If we've gotten used to the idea that the online reality is reality as much as watching it live on TV uh, or listening on the radio live, um, we'll have to see if anybody gets a bump, either either party gets a bump. One of the things also about the convention, this convention and the gap now, it's a few days a week between the Democrats and Republicans, Donald Trump is actually doing something, no surprise, that is... is um, not normal. Uh, he is actually doing counter-programming, and he plans to be in Scranton, Pennsylvania itself. I mean, he's, he's in various uh, battleground states right now, swing states right now. Mm-hmm. He's going to be doing uh, live rallies in various states. But he's going to be in Scranton counter-programming at the time, apparently, when, when Biden does his acceptance speech. So uh, this is, this is a, we are into uh, abnormal times in all kinds of ways. One of the powerful powerful elements of the uh, of the convention was the woman who's uh, as you know they had a lot of former trump voters who said yeah. I-, I voted for trump last time but i'm not going to do it this time one of them was the daughter of a man who said and they had pictures of the father of clearly a likable guy and he he caught covid and died and he was a really strong trump supporter and his only pre-existing condition was to trust donald trump that's the kind of line that may have some resonance beyond uh, beyond the convention itself, and who knows, may be part of that potential bump. Well, we'll see what kind of a theater they try to present tonight as they try to carry some of that enthusiasm. Elliot, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. Oh, what a spectacle to watch. This it is, certainly is. For us news junkies, <laughs> you it's bet. a good time, but for America, it's a challenging time. It certainly is. We'll talk again about that soon. Thanks Thank again, you. Elliot. Elliot Tepper, of course, uh, from Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.